Heavenly Father, we do know that the heart is deceitful above all things. We know that our hearts betray us so often. Lord, we pray that you would keep us from deceitful ways this morning as we examine your word and what it says there about your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us and help us to make a right judgment this morning as we look at these words together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue the series in John chapter 7 as we picked up from where we were uh, many months ago. And so this has come, John chapter 7, to put it in context, has come after Jesus has fed the 5,000 in chapter 6 and then people have been following him around and gradually as Jesus taught them, uh, more and more drifted away until pretty much only his 12 disciples were left. And then last week we looked at, in John chapter 7, the beginning there, that even his family wasn't interested in trusting in him. The disciples uh, trust in him, and it looks like the disciples alone. Sometimes you say, well, blood is thicker than water, and at least I've got my family if everybody else rejects me. But in Jesus' case, we saw last week that even his brothers did not believe in him. And so now he goes up to the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles at Jerusalem, and we see his interaction with the people that are there, the different Jews that are up there for the feast as well. And he gives a particular command that I want to focus on this morning and look at it in greater detail, and that is in verse 24. John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Now, why does Jesus say this to the crowds at the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, it's because people are judging him. We've seen that with the people of the, uh, who were fed by him, the feeding of the 5,000. We've seen that they've made judgments against him and have walked away. We've seen that his brothers have made judgments against him. And we've seen even in chapter 7, verse 12, that people were making other judgments about him there as well. Verse 12, we looked at this uh, last week in last week's reading. Chapter 7, verse 12, it said, Among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. People were judging Jesus a lot. They were making judgments about him. He was creating quite a stir in Israel. And people are judging him. And he says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. People often judge by mere appearances. They judge by first impressions. They make snap judgments, superficial judgments about people. And they're often wrong. So an example of that in the Bible reading that we had from 1 Samuel, with Samuel going to anoint David as king, and all of Jesse's brothers come, uh, Jesse's sons come before Samuel. And Samuel thinks, oh, the eldest one, he looks good. He judges by mere appearances when it says that God looks at the heart. And that David, who doesn't look good, he's the youngest, he's out with the, he's a shepherd boy. He is the one who is to be the king of Israel. We often make judgments by mere appearances. Now, how were people making judgments of, by mere appearances of Jesus? How can we see that in the text? Because some people are saying he's a good man, but others are saying, no, he deceives the people. Why are they making judgments by mere appearances? How can we see that in the text that we're looking at this morning? Well, one way that we can see that they're judging by mere appearances is by judging Jesus for his education levels, for his lack of education specifically. And we see that in verse 15. 
Verse 15 of John chapter 7, look with me now. John chapter 7, verse 15, it says, The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? They're hearing him teach and they're saying, Hang on, how did he get this without having studied? And Jesus actually defends his teaching in verse 16. He says, Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Defends his teaching as from the one that sent him, which of course is God the Father. And people often like to judge you because of your education levels. If you haven't been to university, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to listen to you. And then maybe it's, which uni did you go to? Oh, is that where you went? You didn't go to Sydney Uni. Oh, well, I've got no time for you either. We often judge people by mere appearances by their education levels. We make a snap judgment about their education levels. And with Jesus, he hadn't studied under any of the rabbis. That was what you did if you were seeking to be a Jewish teacher of the people. You would study under the rabbis and you'd study under the best of rabbis if you really wanted to be good. That was uh, like uh, looking at the different universities and which are the best ones. Well, you'd look at which are the best rabbis, which ones have the best reputations. And when you taught, you would quote the rabbis. You would show that your teaching was in accordance with this particular rabbi. You drop names on a regular basis. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't have the education level that people expect if he is to be a teacher of the people. So that's one way that they judge him by mere appearances is by simply looking at his education. Another way that they show that they're judging by mere appearances is by the accusation that they make that he has a demon. And we see that in verse 20. In verse 20 we read, "'You are demon-possessed,' the crowd answered." Who is trying to kill you? The people accuse Jesus of having a demon. Now, why would they say that? Well, in that verse, we see that they say, who is trying to kill you? And that's because Jesus has just said in verse 19, has not Moses given you the law, yet not one of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? He says, why are you trying to kill me? And they say, you are demon-possessed. Who is trying to kill you? By his statement that people are trying to kill him, They make a snap judgment, they judge by mere appearances and say, he's got a demon, this guy's crazy. Why would they say that if someone says, you're trying to kill me? Well, sometimes we'd say that about people who seem to be overly paranoid. If someone thinks that someone's trying to kill them or that someone's spying on them, we think you're a bit crazy. I remember this in a church that I visited when I was a student. I visited lots of different churches. I was um, preaching at different places. And I went to one church and there was this lady and she came up to me afterwards and didn't want to talk anything to do with about sermon or about what I said or anything to do with God. She wanted to show me all these pictures she'd taken on her phone of different parts of her apartment of little lights that she could see. And there was this person that she was very suspicious in the next part of her building who was spying on her. And so any, and she'd take photos in the dark and she'd taken photos in the light and she'd zoomed in and she was showing me them and saying, look, here's a, it's, it's got to be a little camera or this one's a little microphone. Any little defect in the apartment, a crack in the wall, she was saying, the guy, he, when I'm out, he comes in and he installs these cameras. Now, if someone came up to you and you didn't know them from a bar of soap and they started talking in this way, how would you respond? Would you take them seriously? Or would you think, this person needs a bit of help? And some people might even say, I think she's got a demon in her. That there's something going on within her that's not quite right. And that's how the people are responding to Jesus. They're saying, 
He's got a demon. He thinks people are trying to kill him. Or it may be that they think that he's demon-possessed because of the miracles that he's doing as well. That it was an accusation that was made about Jesus is not specifically made here against him, that he is demon-possessed because of his miracles. But we know in another part of the, uh, the Gospels that the Pharisees in Mark 3 say, by the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. By Satan, he has miraculous power. And it's interesting in verse 21 that Jesus does reference his miracle right after they say he's demon-possessed. Verse 21, it says, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all astonished. What is that miracle? Well, it's probably referring back to when he healed the man in Jerusalem who was lame in chapter 5. And so they may be saying he's got a demon in him and that's how he's able to do these healing miracles. That's where his miraculous power comes from because the Pharisees were actually accusing him of that. And it's often the case when someone is able to do something miraculous... What do they say? He's got demonic powers. I've been reading a very interesting book written by Harry Houdini. It's uh, about um, the spirit, spiritists. So he was very interested in the occult, very interested in mediums. He really wanted to be able to tap into some power that may be there. And so he investigated lots and lots of spiritists. And as a magician, he knew all kinds of tricks that you could do. And he found uh, again and again and again that people, these mediums, were just tricking people. When they raise a table up off the ground, it's them that's raising the table, not a, a demonic spirit that's in the room. And so he, 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 it was a very interesting book to read through. But it's interesting because he was a marvellous magician and able to do things that people just could not understand, that many people accused him of having demonic powers. Many people accused him of being a spiritist himself. And so there are these statements by people regularly throughout the book that Harry Houdini is actually a spiritist. He is a great medium. He has tapped into the occult forces. But he says again and again in the book, I can positively state that I accomplish my purposes purely by physical, not psychical, means. The force necessary to shoot a bolt within a lock is drawn from Houdini, the living human being, and not a medium. He said again and again, I've just worked out physical laws that you haven't been able to work out yet, and I've been able to work out slate of hand, and, and you're judging me by mere appearances when you're saying that I have demonic powers. It's a common thing that people do. When they see someone do something miraculous, they immediately think a demon. And that's what they're saying about Jesus here. It may be the reason they say in verse 20, you are demon-possessed. It may be because he seems to be paranoid. It's very interesting that the very next verse, verse 21, he talks about his miracles. People were judging him by mere appearances and saying he is demon-possessed. There's also a third way that people misjudge Jesus that's in the text that we're looking at today, and that's by the laws that they have. They misjudge Jesus as a lawbreaker. They look at Jesus and they see that he has broken their law by healing someone on the Sabbath. And Jesus introduces that idea in verse 21 and following. It says, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Now, the Jews had the Sabbath 
law that was given to them in the Ten Commandments. And their interpretation of the Sabbath was that there were a whole bunch of things that you weren't allowed to do. And one of those was to pick up your mat and it was to not heal people. That there are other days of the week to be healed, come and be healed on those days, the Jewish leaders used to say to the people who would come to Jesus. And so Jesus was a lawbreaker in their eyes because of their interpretation of the Sabbath commandment. And this is a common occurrence that people do. They judge people as lawbreakers. They make a snap judgment, judged by mere appearances, because you've broken their little laws. How many times have you in your life been discarded by someone because you've broken their laws? You think that what you've done is perfectly fine, but they have a real problem with what you've done. And they won't have anything to do with you from then on. Just like people were with Jesus Christ. He'd broken their Sabbath law. It didn't matter what he did after that. He's a lawbreaker. He deserves to die. So I'm judging him by mere appearances. And this is the one thing that he really hammers down on because that's where he comes in in verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. He's been misjudged as a demon-possessed person. He's been misjudged as someone who lacks a college education, the right qualifications. And he's been misjudged as a lawbreaker. And so he tells the people there, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Now, why should we be looking at this today? Well, it's because people still misjudge Jesus. They still judge him by mere appearances. There's a good possibility that some people in this room have simply judged Jesus by mere appearances. And it's often for the same reasons that are given in the passage that we're looking at today. Some people misjudge Jesus. They judge him by mere appearances because of his lack of education. Christ didn't live in the enlightened age, in the age of reason like we live in today. And he didn't go to Sydney University, so yes, we will reject him as well. And you see some of the things that Jesus comes out with? He actually believes that Noah existed and that there was this ark and that the whole world got flooded. Come on, how silly is he? Do you see some of the other things that Jesus teaches? He teaches that there's a hell and there's a heaven. How unreasonable. We live in the age of reason, not the age of superstition. And so they judge Jesus by mere appearances, make a snap judgment and say, I don't have any time for that guy. They reject Jesus because they judge him as unintelligent, unwise, unknowledgeable in comparison to them. And some people today will reject him, like the people rejected him many years ago as demon-possessed, but they'll reject him as a lunatic. Of course, in this enlightened age, we don't go around saying that people have demons. We just go around saying people are mentally ill, that he's delusional, that he's paranoid. Yes, can you see there in the gospel, he thought that people were trying to kill him all the time. No wonder he ended up getting killed. He was going around thinking everyone was trying to kill him all the time. He was a bit crazy. And yes, you see, he claimed he could do miracles. And they say, yes, I believe he believed he could do miracles. I don't believe he did miracles, but he had delusions of grandeur there in the New Testament. You can see it. The guy was a lunatic. Don't say he's got a demon, because that would make us seem like lunatics. We don't believe in demons. But clearly Jesus 
needed help. He doesn't need to be listened to. And he's dead so long ago, I should reject him now and not pay him any attention. And people will accuse Jesus of being a lawbreaker, just like the people did many years ago, and judge him as not worthy of their time. They will consider their lives and the moral standards that they have, and they say, Jesus wasn't in keeping with my little laws, particularly my laws about sexual freedom, that I can do whatever I like with my body, as Jesus is such a prude. He doesn't keep up with the standards of today. And so I reject him as being someone who breaks my little laws and is not worthy of my attention. But the thing is, if the Jews many years ago had studied Christ more clearly, if they'd studied him in greater detail, they, would have, they wouldn't have judged wrongly. They would have started to make right judgments as he calls them to do there so many years ago. And today people would do the same. If they just consider Jesus Christ a little more than they have, they would start to see that Jesus is worthy of their time, that he is not uneducated, that he is not demon-possessed or a lunatic, and that he is not a law-breaker. When you start to examine Christ, as you read the Bible more and more, as you look at Jesus Christ in the Gospels, you see that Christ's wisdom is far greater than any education that can be given by any university around the world. The more you study Jesus, and particularly his speech, what he said, the things he taught, you see his powerful wisdom shining through. The way Jesus handles his critics is exceptional. The way he can argue back. And they're left dumbfounded. They, there's one point where they just say no one dared to ask him any questions anymore because they couldn't win. The way Jesus illustrates his, with parables is excellent. It's brilliant. They just grab you. You see the parable. You see the message. And it just captivates you. He is so wise. The way he teaches with simple language but deep truths. That's why I'm finding John's gospel to be a bit of a struggle to preach through because it's very simple language. But then you've got to dig deep and say, what is he actually getting at here? It shows that he's a very gifted teacher. And the way that he teaches with love and compassion shows that he is this phenomenal counsellor. He is so wise. He is so wonderful, far better than anyone that comes out of the colleges and universities that are so respectable even today. And if people dug a bit deeper and looked at Christ's miracles, they would see that they defy explanation apart from divine intervention, especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself from the dead, the fact that he could raise himself. He laid his life down, but he also took it up again. Defies explanation, and particularly they're too well-attested to simply be dismissed, to be delusional ravings of madmen, Jesus and his apostles. Even his enemies didn't deny his miracles. It's a very interesting point to note that. They never said he didn't do miracles. Instead, they said he has a demon. There's actually, we've, there's been discovered an arrest warrant from that time for Jesus, for this man Jesus. And what's one of the crimes? He's known to be a sorcerer. That was his crime, that he's performing magic. What are they saying? He is actually doing miracles. 
But we say he's doing miracles by evil powers. Jesus did indeed do miracles. And he cannot be demonic because what did he do? He often cast out demons miraculously. And Jesus himself defends his miraculous powers as not demonic. In Mark chapter 3, he says, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. See his wisdom coming through there? You're accusing me of being demonic while I'm driving out demons? And you think I'm the one that hasn't got a good education? Jesus is clearly gifted by God with power, divine power. And as you dig a bit deeper into Christ, you see that his morality was impeccable and is often proved right by modern ethicists. takes them a little bit of time to catch up sometimes, but his teaching on morals is perfect. It's interesting, recently uh, there's this whole movement happening within Hollywood and the entertainment industry. It's called the Me Too movement where many women are coming forward and talking about the sexual abuse that they've experienced uh, through the entertainment industry. And just this last week, the Washington Post has announced that after months of controversy within the Miss America organization, executives announced on Tuesday that the nearly century-old pageant will no longer judge contestants on their physical appearance. They're actually dropping, there's apparently a bikini section of the, of the Miss America uh, pageants, and they get judged according to their appearance in a bikini. And part of the whole Me Too thing has brought this to a bit of a crashing halt, that people are starting to recognise that women shouldn't be objectified in this way. Now, why do I raise that? Well, it's interesting. The Southern Baptist Convention in 1926... 92 years ago, in 1926, when the Miss America pageants were kicking off, they resolved at one of their meetings, beauty contests and so-called bathing reviews are evil and evil only and tend to lower true and genuine respect for womanhood, emphasising and displaying only purely physical charm above spiritual and intellectual attainments. Southern Baptist, 92 years ago, said... There's more to a woman than her body. And the pageant, have, the organisers of the pageant have come out this week and said, we're now going to judge women according to what comes out of their mouths, not according to they look like in these pageants. And yet there were all these cries, apparently when the Southern Baptists resolved this, about how prudish they were, how hopeless. They needed to get with the times, the Southern Baptists. It's all free and it's all good fun. Now they've caught up and realise that Christ's teaching about morality is actually right and good. They judge by mere appearances, and now they're learning that they made a wrong judgment. So it amazes me how people can give such a superficial reading of the Bible and have such a superficial, superficial understanding of Jesus Christ. Firstly, because many of these people are supposed to be intelligent people who make snap judgments about Jesus Christ. They're meant to be intelligent people. They're meant to be clever. And yet they can dismiss Christ so quickly without examining much of what is taught in the Gospels about him. And then secondly, the reason why it amazes me that people can have such superficial judgments of Jesus Christ is because there's so much at stake if you make a wrong judgment 
about Jesus Christ, if you judge him by mere appearances. If Jesus is the Son of God, then you should be making right judgments about him, not judging by mere appearances, not judging him by first appearances, by first impressions. It's interesting, the ABC um, has a program called Q&A, which I do not watch, but I've heard of this report and I looked it up this week. In 2013, they had a panel of people about deadly ideas. And so the, the, the leader of the Q&A, he went round and asked the different panellists as to what is the most dangerous idea known to man. And he got to Peter Hitchens. Peter Hitchens isn't Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens is a well-known atheist. He has a brother who's a Christian. Uh, and they got to Peter Hitchens, and Peter Hitchens says, the most dangerous idea in human history and philosophy remains the belief that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and rose from the dead, and that is the most dangerous idea you will ever encounter. If Jesus is the Son of God and he rose from the dead, then that is dangerous. That is something everybody needs to consider very carefully. You cannot judge that by mere appearances because there's so much riding on that fact, if indeed it is a fact, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and was raised from the dead. It is very dangerous sometimes to judge by mere appearances. We know this in other contexts. There's a very famous Christian called Johnny Erickson Tata, and she knows that judging by mere appearances can be quite dangerous. When she was a teenager, I read an account of uh, what happened to her. It was a hot July day in 1967, the summer after Johnny's high school graduation. The setting sun reflected off the cheesy peak bay where Johnny and her sister Kathy were swimming. Johnny noticed a raft anchored a little way offshore and decided to swim out and dive off it. So her and her sister, they're teenagers, they've just finished school, they see a little raft and think, we'll go out there and we'll, we'll dive off it. Johnny misjudged the depth of the water. Her head hit the bottom and the impact fractured her spinal cord. She was paralysed instantly. In a moment, Johnny went from packing her bags for college and planning for her future to being trapped in a hospital bed, now a quadriplegic. And she's remained that way for the rest of her life. She misjudged the water. She judged it by mere appearances and ended up suffering as a result. We have to be very careful about misjudging by judging by mere appearances. If you misjudge Jesus and it turns out he is the son of God, you will break your neck for all of eternity. Not just temporarily, like Johnny did, for this lifespan, but for all of eternity. You think standing on Christ is no fun, that it's much more fun to dive in to the sin of this world. You're diving into a shallow pool where the bottom is the unforgiving wrath of God. Always. It goes on and on. And so I implore you, if you are judging Christ by mere appearances, stop and make a right judgment this morning. Jesus is from God the Father. Jesus is a man of truth. Jesus is the Messiah who saves if you will come to him and trust him. Jesus is worthy of your consideration. He is worthy of your full attention. He is worthy of your trust. If you will simply stop judging by mere appearances and get to know him better, 
you will understand that he is the one upon whom you should stand now and for eternity. And once you make that right judgment, you will find great riches in Christ. You won't just avoid the wrath of God. You will find great riches in Jesus Christ. If you've misjudged Jesus in the past and you come to understand that he is worthy of your attention, that he is the Messiah, it's kind of like finding an old book that at first appearance it looks like it's a piece of rubbish that you just put in the recycling. But as you open it up and stop judging it by its cover, you find that it's actually very, very valuable, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've read a book recently about going around book fairs and finding old books that are worth lots of money. So each chapter is devoted to some sort of account from some sort of bookseller somewhere that discovered something as a bargain. They bought it for a couple of cents and it turned out to be worth a lot. Or they found it up on their grandfather's shelf. It turned out to be very, very valuable indeed. Whereas there was one particular account, I remember the grandson went over, his father had passed, his grandfather had passed away and his grandmother said, yeah, yeah, have a look around granddad's books. And he found this book and it was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. But for grandma, it just looked like something that she'd throw into the recycling one day. If you start judging Jesus rightly, if you stop judging him by mere appearances, you will find that he is worth more than hundreds of thousands of dollars, more than millions and billions of dollars, that through him you will find true joy, true peace, true love from God, a way to eternal salvation and to great blessing even now on earth. Many of the blessings of Jesus Christ come now. Some of them are not yet, but many of them are now. And if you stop judging him like you judge a book by its cover and start to dig deeper into him, you will see the pleasures and the joy that come as a result of judging him rightly. And if you are a Christian, I encourage you to keep seeking to know Jesus Christ better and make right judgments about him. I often feel like I'm only just getting to know Jesus. There's many ways in my mind that I've formed opinions about him that still need to be unraveled and still I still need to learn more about him, to dig deeper into him. I feel like I'm still judging him often by mere appearances. And I can ask you to consider this morning, if you're a Christian, whether the many things that you think about Jesus are judgments that are by mere appearances, that you need to get to know Jesus better. Do we judge that Jesus is wise, despite not having a college education? Well, why don't we listen to Jesus more? If he's wise, why don't you listen to him more? Why don't you open his book, which contains his wisdom? Why don't you do that more? If you consider that Jesus is empowered by God, that he's not demon-possessed, but he's empowered by God, that he is God himself, then why don't you call on him more to ask for help? If he has all power and you have problems, why aren't you calling on him more? Have you made a snap judgment about him? Yes, yes, he's powerful, but you've never really come to understand how powerful he really is. And if you judge Jesus as a great law keeper, not a law breaker, a great law keeper, why don't you keep Christ's law more? Why don't you try to live as he lived? 
Unbelief in Christ and judgment by mere appearances is often shown by the way we live. Does your life show that you have rightly judged Jesus or wrongly judged him, judged him by mere appearances? Let's come to him in prayer now. Let's speak to him. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the all-wise, the omnipotent, all-powerful, righteous Messiah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for revealing yourself to us in the pages of Scripture. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our superficial judgments of you. Lord, help us to stop judging you by mere appearances and start making right judgments that lead to right behaviour as we seek your glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen.